This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to RotoWire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. He's a great follow and, uh, and picking up speed with a lot of uh, great commentary in the last little while on what's going on around the league. So give him a follow, and give me a follow, too, because I like to give my insights and share them with you. I'd like to begin this show with a question that arose out of the Leafs' loss last night, partner. To my mind, it's been brewing for a while, actually. Uh, for the second consecutive home game, Jake Gardner coughed up a puck that led directly to a goal against, and he has been in this position before as a guy who logs a lot of minutes and handles the puck a lot. I guess it's, it comes with the territory, but Toronto fans will also remember his minus-five night in Game 7 of the first round last year against Boston. So, in other words, we've seen this act too many times recently and last night a group of loud fans began to boo him every time he handled the puck after this key error and he even got to sit, was sat out a little bit uh, as a result of the play he was booed lustily uh, AJ and I think fans have every right to do so uh, in this circumstance uh, certainly Leaf fans have been guilty of it in the past from time to time the argument is they know the hockey the hockey and you really can't hide the fact when a guy is pulling the same stunt over and over again and the puck winds up in your net so my question to you is do you agree or disagree with that tactic by the fans i think it's definitely fair game i mean i i get the argument where you know well you're supposed to be fan of the team you're supposed to you know always cheer for them but you know what when when the play is bad the play is bad i mean you you see it out there you know what's happening um you know packer fans the last couple of years have expressed their displeasure at the play calling um you know the last couple of years with the mike mccarthy era which has obviously ended um you know and and other teams do it too i mean philadelphia is a, a notoriously difficult place uh for any home team to play their fans uh pull no punches either so uh, i think it's definitely fair game if if a guy's just not uh you know doing the job that he's being paid to do and the fans are paying for the tickets to be at the game i i think it's all uh above board in my opinion there so uh that was my take on it paul i'm not sure if you uh agree as well or disagree 
Uh, you know what? I I was booing from my my couch last night. I couldn't believe what this guy has been up to uh, periodically. Like I said, too often for my liking. And uh, I mean, local media friends they they look out for my tweets whenever there's a leaf goal that it revolves around a Jake Gardner giveaway. It's happened more than a few times, and uh, I'm as guilty as anybody of coming down hard on this guy. But uh, more than any other uh, in in recent memory, actually. And I, like I said, the guy logs a lot of minutes. The Leafs are not deep at this position, so they have to keep trotting him out. This, uh, he's a guy who's been a 50-point defenseman in the past, not having that kind of year this year. They've drummed guys out of town before, uh, like Larry Murphy, and the Penguins capitalized on that in the past, too. So, uh, Phil Kessel? Not, not, and it's not the first time. Phil Kessel was a little bit uh, guilty of that from time to time, but... Uh, I haven't seen anything like Jake Gardner for a while here in Toronto and the way he's been treated uh, treated by the fans. Uh, last night was just uh, the boiling point for a, a series of games where this guy coughs up the puck and it winds up in the net. Egregious errors left and right, and uh, it finally caught up to him and, and uh, boiled over last night. And I wonder, the next time out, maybe it's a good thing they're going on the road, but next time they're at home, if he doesn't get his act together, if it continues, it'll be something to watch around here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the other thing, you know, to to talk about there is like when you have those mistakes, a guy can make up for it when he is a 50 point producer. Right. Like, you know, Chris Letang drives me nuts. Sometimes he'll cough up uh, a bad play, you know, pinch at the wrong time and and then uh, a rush going the other way. And and that's been his M.O. for for years. It, It happens periodically, but he's always a guy that produced in the offensive end. So you kind of overlooked it a little bit. And and that's you know, not the case for Gardner this year. But uh, before we kick off the rest of the show, just remind our listeners throughout the week that if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us and we'll try and answer those questions for you. As Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJScholes24 and you can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. All right, we begin our look around the league as always with a, with a peek at the Anaheim Ducks and boy, if uh, they're booing in Toronto, they must be going right out of their minds in, in Anaheim. <laughs> this, the losing streak for this club has reached 11 games and Randy Carlisle's neck is in the noose it seems. Uh, they blew a 3 nothing lead. I watched this game on Saturday after the Leafs uh, tilt and uh, they were the penguins were down three to nothing after the first period but in the first half of the second period they came out like gangbusters and uh, the ducks just folded like a cheap suit suitcase and uh, so uh, it was it was awful the way that went, that game went down but it was indicative of, of the tr- troubles that anaheim's been enduring and they followed that up with by losing a lead late on sunday night and then blowing it in overtime against the jets so just gone from bad to worse lately uh in terms of the individual players though there is a bit of good news daniel sprung is thriving at the number one uh, right wing position with four points in his last five games but on the flip side andre case is struggling he was demoted to the third line after going minus eight with only one assist in his last five games there's been a lot of big minuses here but he was one guy that lost a position because of it and yesterday they tried to shake things up things up with a trade by moving out Andrew Cogliano, uh, an Iron Man of sorts for them, and picking up Devin Shore, it's been a swap of uh, depth forwards here. I wonder if there's any sense uh, at your end that one team might have won the, the trade over the other. Shore, for his part, is mired in a 26-game scoreless drought, so uh, he'll start on left wing in the third line here for for the Ducks going forward. Yeah, I think overall, you know, it comes down to. 
uh, you know, contract situation in, in terms of winners and losers here. I, I think it's a pretty fair swap. Now, I think Cogliano is probably the better veteran presence uh, in the locker room, obviously. And so I think Dallas gets something there. And I ultimately, I think with the with the stars, I think Cogliano is going to play top six minutes. It looks like they're going to put him in a second line role. So overall, I think they win on that. Um, you know, Shore's contract is an extra year at two point three million, whereas Cogliano, I'm I'm pretty sure is a free agent after the season. So uh, you're looking or rather Cogliano's got two more years after this. So, um, you know. Anaheim gets out from that contract a little bit. Uh, Cogliano probably not worth $3.2 million uh, for the next two years anymore, but Dallas gets kind of a veteran guy. So pretty even swap, but overall I think maybe Dallas got the better of it with the uh, you know top six guy going their way. The Arizona Coyotes playing well, better of late. They won two of three again last week. They're, they're two games under the break-even plateau there at 20-22-3. Uh, depth right-winger Connor Garland has been uh, catching a lot of uh, publicity for having pucks deflect off parts of his body and going into the net. He's He's got six goals over his last four games and took one off the noggin that went in the other night. He's playing a gritty style of of. of of a game and uh, despite being a small, smaller player that's always going to win fans over I think isn't it uh, in other news there Vino, Vinny Hinestroza is back after for uh, for eight games now and he's moved up to the right wing role on the first line this guy might be worth a look but he's got to do better than only two assists in that span I wonder why they they went to him in this role uh, Jordan Wheel another recent acquisition from Philly uh, is installed as the number two center. There's a, there's a heck of a lot of auditioning going on and uh, shuffling around for, of roles here. I wonder if Wheel will fit in on that second line, AJ. Yeah, I'm not so so sure about that. It, it seems like a kind of interesting spot for a guy who, you know, at best was maybe third line uh, with the Flyers more often than not. Uh, served as a as a fourth line uh, option or just as a healthy scratch. Now, you know, you look at his numbers uh, in the minors. There's certainly something to to be intrigued by there. Uh, 16, 17, his last full season uh, in the minors, 47 points in 43 games. Got just 21 in, in 69 games last year for the Flyers. Um, but as I said, you're looking at a guy who is taking on a, a bottom six role. If he gets the opportunity to play some bigger minutes it's it's possible this could actually work out for arizona in the long run in boston tuka rask's fortunes have turned uh, took a turn for the better and meanwhile his backup is going the other way yarrow halak not having a good time of late uh charlie mcavoy's back in the lineup here so that's a pretty healthy roster he's partnered with uh, zidane ochara while he's lost maybe a step or two, he's still a great uh, defender in his own end. So it's a pretty good matchup uh, so that should allow McAvoy to take some forays into the offensive end and get involved in the flow of the play at the off- offensive zone areas. Uh, depth forward Sean Corrali has been a difference maker of late. Uh, very uh, evident on Saturday when the Bruins came into town here and took a 3-2 win over the Leafs, and he was involved in all three goals. He's got seven points in his last nine games as the left winger on the third line here in Boston, a key part of their recent surge for sure. Meanwhile, Ryan Donato's struggles continue, and he's now seeing fourth line minutes on the right wing. And you can say the same thing for Danton Heinen on left wing. It wasn't so long ago, AJ. I think we were talking about these guys in the playoffs last year as players that that could be difference makers for the Bruins uh, going forward. But they've both taken a bit of a backward step from what they did last year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, they they were projecting, you know, to be 
uh, kind of big minute guys, possibly uh, pushing guys like uh, DeBrusque or David Backus for for those top six uh, minutes. But it, it really has not panned out for those two. Now, one guy that is playing pretty well for them right now is David Krejci. He's got a goal in each of his last three games, two of those coming on the power play. Uh, so that's definitely something that, you know, you want to monitor, especially in your daily contest, but season long as well. Uh, if a guy's getting power play minutes and putting pucks in the back of the net, he's almost a lock for your lineup at that point. And Buffalo, uh, we talked about their Sabres having a great first half, but things have kind of fallen apart a little bit and it dovetailed with Jack Eichel's absence that saw them go into a bit of a tailspin. They started to climb out of it, but uh, in the last three games, they, they look like they reverted back to that recent form and are kind of falling out of the playoff picture a little bit. They started a five-game road trip last night at Edmonton and got absolutely run over there. This could be a key segment of their season, so they better turn it around really quickly. Uh, To my mind, the search continues for a second-line center here. Evan Rodriguez has had plenty of chances there and finally collected his third goal of the season last night. That's not enough by a long shot. And Middlestadt has only three points in his last 13 games after a pretty nice start. Neither one of these guys has been good enough to fill a very key role here. And I think that's a big part of why Buffalo Sabres are are, uh, heading south right now. Well, you mentioned the time away for Eichel missed three games, um, but he's pointless in his three games back. So, again, that kind of speaks to uh, the problems that they're having there. And it's certainly not for lack of opportunities. I mean, the game against Tampa Bay, he put eight shots on net. Couldn't pick up any points uh, from that. Had just three uh, against Edmonton, but he's certainly doing, uh, seemingly doing what he can to kind of get out of this slump. And and I think that's really what this entire season is going to be tied to for them, as you alluded to. If Eichel can't get going sooner rather than later, they are going to find themselves on the outside looking in. Now they're clinging to that last wild card spot right now, but you got Colorado, Minnesota, uh, you know, kind of nipping at their heels there, trying to track them down. In Calgary, well, the Flames fans must be thrilled. This team has risen to the top of the Western Conference. Lots of good news here beyond the first line that we've talked about ad nauseum. Second line left wing, Matthew Tuchuk has a career-high 52 points in 46 games already. Uh, Michael Froelich has also been on a nice run with four goals and two helpers in his last six games. Rasmus Anderson moved up to the second D pairing, and he's playing up upwards of 20 minutes a game that's like found money over there on the calgary blue line and uh he may be getting beginning to score show the scoring upside that he's delivered in two ahl seasons so it's not a total surprise to me yeah that's definitely uh you know uh, a solid kind of addition uh you know that they're getting out of him there um, another guy, a couple guys that are starting to set, step up is uh, a bit of that third line. You've got Sam Bennett, who's got a couple points in his last uh, last few games, starting to heat up a little bit. Three points in his last five. Same goes for Mark Jankowski, uh, centering that third line. He's got three points uh, or two points rather in his last three games. The only person on that line not really coming out of it is James Neal. Now we keep talking about it mostly because I keep checking to see if he's going to figure it out this season. Does have two assists in the last three games, but look, James Neal's not brought in to pick up assists. Now it's certainly something that he can do, but this is a guy you brought in to be a 20 goal scorer, perhaps even push for 30 again, like he's done twice in his career. And right now he's still sitting at four and just can't seem to find the back of the net. 
And then we go over to Carolina. They were 3-1 and one last week. This team has surprised me a little bit this year, AJ. There's more good news than, than bad of late. For instance, Michael Furland uh, is finally enjoying the best streak of his season with a point-per-game pace over the last six games. The same can be said for Jacob, Jacob Slavin. He has five points in his last seven games. And uh, Justin Williams, this guy's been the heartbeat of this club. He's gotten hot again with six goals in his last seven games. Uh, on the downside, there's still no clear return date for uh, Jordan Stahl. That means Lucas Walmark holds on to a second center role. He's gotten, done absolutely nothing with this, picking up only a goal to snap in a, a six-game scoreless slump. That came in his last game, so maybe it's a portent tent of better days. They sure got to hope so while they're without one of their key centers there. Well, and you can't talk about Carolina right now without talking about the goaltending. I mean, you've got two guys basically splitting duties and going every other night. And you got Curtis McElhenney, uh on a four-game winning streak. And Peter Mrazek has won three of his last four as well. And so these two guys really uh, seem to be enjoying the goalie split, the night-on, night-off uh, kind of combo here. It's, uh, you know, it's a situation I've always been hesitant to – to find success in because it feels like nobody can really get into a groove we've seen dallas struggle with that in the past uh philadelphia has struggled with that in past seasons but these two guys seem to be reveling in it and as long as it keeps working like this i would expect these guys to continue going every other night in chicago i'm intrigued by the makeup of the third line here i mean uh, talk about a losing team we're talking about their third line but it's all about the auditions uh, first of all long time second line second line center artem anisimov is there between two youngsters who have the offensive skills in uh, brendan perlini and david camp that's uh, the two names that i'm keeping an eye on to see if they catch fire and and show something in these audition periods uh, that's all that you have to look forward here in chicago because really things are a mess and that big part of that mess is in net colin delia this guy was brought up uh, late uh, late in the game here and he's uh, evolved into the top goalie but he's even scuffling now of late allowing 11 goals in his last three games and really that's where the season fell apart for the blackhawks right in the net yeah absolutely i mean Without Corey Crawford, this team just doesn't uh, have, uh, you know, enough talent really right now, which is shocking when you say for a team that's got Taves, Kane, uh, Keith, and Seabrook, but it's simply not there. A lot of it's young uh, guys that still need more time. Uh, but yeah, without Corey Crawford, uh, this season went from bad to worse. One guy who's also going to get an audition is Slater Cuckoo, uh, you know, came over uh, via trade from uh, the Lightning in kind of a swap for minor leaguers but they're called him up and, and they're going to give him a look and, and see what they can do now they got rid of Jan Ruta in that exchange and and overall just based on these two guys pedigree I, I think Chicago got the better end of this deal I've been high on Cuckoo for a long time but hasn't really gotten a good opportunity to grab hold of regular minutes uh, with Tampa but should now uh, the rest of the way here in Chicago yeah I agree with you. that was a great pickup there uh, you got to watch when on Tampa jettisons a player and where he winds up because they do a great job of scouting there in the last few years for sure in Colorado well I got a good look at this club last night a little too good for my liking to be quite honest they they had been winless in a cross Canada road swing in three prior efforts until the, the tilt in Toronto uh, they'd given up way too many goals of late and they finally snapped out of that funk uh, they've been out shooting teams by a big margin so I don't think they've been getting the goaltending that they had hoped for Varlamov kind of 
off his game a little bit. But they, on offense, they're cer cer certainly riding the coattails of their big line, which has the highest percentage of goals for their team of any unit in the NHL at almost 50%. Aside from them, Carl Soderberg has been a nice contributor lately, AJ. Uh, he had a hat-trick last night. That gives him 15 goals on the year, which is one shy of his career best already. The trouble is that his wingers, JT Comfer and Colin Wilson, only have 18 goals between them, and you'd like to see a little, little bit more productivity from second-line wingers to this stage of the season. Look, they might be able to ride that top line uh, into a playoff spot here. Right now, they're on the outside looking in, trying to track down Buffalo for the wild card there, but once if they make the playoffs and get uh you know into the postseason here one line's just not going to do it and so it's really how far they go may come down to uh you know that second line of soderberg wilson and confier and whether or not they can add anything uh you know to that production because it's simply not going to be enough now vladislav kamenev has been out for a while i think they get him back potentially uh, heading into the postseason. Whether or not he can be productive this year uh, would remain to be seen, but it might be something that could spark a little bit of depth scoring here. But they're going to have to rely on that top line to get them into the playoffs first. Well, you've got them moving into the Eastern Conference there chasing Buffalo, but they're still in the West, my friend. So don't oh, get yeah. too angsty about that. <laughs> so I just want to alert, alert our fr friends that that hasn't happened yet. AJ might have some intel, though. Yeah, but uh, no, they're, they're certainly in the hunt for a playoff spot in the Western Conference. So that point is well made, I, I would say. And uh, as long as that line continues to perform, I think they're, they're, they got a great shot. In Columbus, they were 3-1 and one last week, and this team is... Uh, is riding high despite controversy around their number one goalie and their head coach that's never a great combination when that happens usually but they went three and one last week and the jackets have played some of their best hockey against some of the best teams of late uh, so uh, some good and some bad again here but the bad has been off the ice the good has been on the ice for sure Kevin Stenlin is getting a look at right wing on the second line after a recent call-up. He's not, not been a big scorer down in the minors, so I wonder what they can expect from him. And injuries to Hannah Kanan and Dubinsky have opened up a roster spot for him around the top six. So uh, the veterans here are certainly carrying the load. I like the way Nick Foligno has been playing for this club. Seth Jones has been a, been a monster for them too. So uh, they're getting some key performance from good players. But I wonder where Sergei Bobrovsky's head is at these days. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, you know, benching aside, you just look at his recent numbers. In his last six games, he's sporting a 4.17 goals against average, 0.849 uh, save percentage, and simply uh, put, not good enough. I mean, in all of those games, he's given up three or more goals, including uh, giving up five to the Rangers, which isn't a team exactly known for high scoring at this point. So uh, you have to wonder if a move. Uh, is going to be made here sooner rather than later. Obviously, they're saying that they've put everything behind them, but uh, if he's not really looking like he wants to stay, he's you know they're going to be selling on him low if he continues to struggle, and they certainly don't want to do that either. In Dallas, the scoring troubles for this club, club uh, really are the front and center story. They've uh, got eight goals for in the last five games. Eric Condra was called up from the AHL and now is on right wing on the second line. He scored a goal in his last game. The notorious part of that move is that he's playing alongside Jason Spezza, and these guys were teammates and line mates in Ottawa not so long ago, so that might spark Condra, and it might help Spezza's game a little bit. Uh, 
Kudobin once again is proving to be one of the top backup goalies in the league. This guy's got a 249 goals against average in 20 appearances with a 92.3% save percentage. He's signed through next year at $2.5 million. I wonder if he could be a starter next year. He might be some trade bait if this team falls short of the playoff run, so that'd be something to keep, keep an eye on. We mentioned the Cogliano, Cogliano pickup. He's going to slide into the second line role on left wing over here. Yeah, I really like, uh, be intrigued by that second line combo of Cogliano, Spezza, Conja. Uh, it might be the answer to, to their similar questions. This has been a team uh, also reliant really on, on its top line for production. Now, it hasn't gotten nearly the same level of production that Colorado has gotten, but uh, you've seen Radulov move in and out of that top line as, as a way to spread out the scoring, and it really hasn't worked for them. So uh, that that second line could be uh, a, a real intrigue in, uh, you know, heading into some matchups. It might be worth uh, stacking in, in your daily contest, depending on, you know, who they're playing on a night-to-night basis. Up next, we're going to take a look at the Detroit Red Wings. Last week, uh, they, the, the seven days was highlighted by, by Tyler Bertuzzi's move to uh, left wing on the first line. He had a hat trick his last game and now has eight shots on goal in his last two games. So looking good in a top six role here and adding some physicality to boot, a much missing ingredient in the Detroit mix when you think about it. Andre Athanasiu had a two-goal game and is headed for a breakout year and that could see him collect 50 points. This was something that we kind of thought might happen at the start of the season. So it's another good call by this pairing. He'll get significant power play time as well going forward. So a pretty nice pickup if you've got him on your roster and you're getting dividends from all year long that might not have been expected. On defense, Mike Green is back with Nicholas Cromwell putting together this veteran pairing, getting top uh, pairing minutes uh, coming off the IR two games ago. That's good news for the Red Wings as well. Well, there's more good uh, news on the injury front as well. Danny DeKaiser expected to play today. Uh, hasn't been finally confirmed. We're still waiting uh, on some last-minute medical clearance from, from the training staff there. But all signs point to him returning. And while DeKaiser isn't exactly going to be your fantasy stud, I think this definitely helps uh, Jimmy Howard. I think it puts uh, you know options into play in terms of who he pairs up with. Like uh, if he paired up with Chola Whiskey, that might allow the youngster to jump up in the play and he becomes fantasy relevant again. Uh, hasn't really been the case for for a couple of weeks here as he's struggled offensively. So to, you know you'll want to check back, see who DeKaiser is playing with. Maybe utilize the other guy. Maybe you take a flyer on on using DeKaiser. He does have some scoring touch, uh, and then it should hopefully help Jimmy Howard as well. In Edmonton, boy, this team is surrounded by a lot of trade rumors when their GM said that they have to really make a move and fix up their forward complement. Uh, uh, there's all, all kinds of news, uh, noise flying around out there. But, and, and they looked really good last night in a drubbing of the Buffalo Sabres that we alluded to earlier. It begins and ends with Connor McDavid. This guy has a pile of points in uh, in his last few games. Uh, teams only had eight goals for in their last four before breaking out last night against Buffalo. Uh, the trouble is that filling in underneath him has been a bit of an issue. Milan Lucic has moved up to the second line left wing, and he's responded with three goals in his last four games. That's as money as he had to start the season. So I like his chances of continuing that trend as he's playing alongside Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's on his way to career best uh, in assists and points total. So they're, 
big problem here has been finding out who could play a second line minutes here alongside Nugent Hopkins and I think they might have found their guy if, if Lucic can continue to play at this level. The goalies are still fairly even right now as neither Koskinen or Tablet are going very well and that's unfortunate because they were playing better at least Koskinen was a while ago but now he's fallen back a little bit and uh, this looks like a win in your end mix and in the goalie situation at, at the moment so keep an eye on that in your da- daily fantasy play. It's been interesting to hear people talk about where this team needs to bolster, uh, you know, the the lineup here. And I, some people have mentioned defense. I really don't think they need to only because if they can get healthy, uh, there's some really solid guys here in Oscar Kleffbaum, Andre Sakara, and Alex Petrovic uh, who could all uh, play significant minutes for them and, and contribute offensively as well. So, yeah, you could make a trade to bring in somebody on the blue line, but that's going to be somebody who's, what, going to sit out then once those guys come back. And so I get it's a frustrating situation. I think you got to continue to give a guy like Caleb Jones some minutes and, and let him continue to develop. Uh, and so I think you hold Pat there. If they do make a move, uh, I would see them bolstering, uh, you know, the forward compliment uh, here, trying to get uh, another top six, uh, you know, forward in uh, in house here. Yeah, completely agree with that assessment, partner. In Florida, this team went 0-3 last week, and they're winless in their last six overall, allowing four or more goals in five of those games. Clearly, goaltending defense, a bit of an issue here. Uh, Aaron Ekblad has only two plus games in his last 10 games that's indicative of, of the flow of play when your top pairing defenseman can't post a plus in, in at least half of the games there in the nets roberto luongo allowed three plus goals in each of his last six appearances that's troublesome too because even behind him james reimer hasn't played well all season matheson has looked good looked like a third scoring option on defense here that's one bit of good news but he's been pointless in his last nine games too slumping like the rest of the club of late uh, he's he's getting first line minutes with Aaron Ekblad. If they can turn that around, that should be a formidable pairing. Uh, besides them, it's Keith Yandel. This guy's out, far outplayed both of these guys, and he's headed for another 50-plus point campaign. That's a bit of good news in Florida. I think one player to maybe key on here, uh, especially in your daily contest, is Henrik uh, Borgstrom. You know, it looked like they probably would put Bukestad uh, into that second-line center role, but they've moved him to the wing up with Barkov and Dadnoff, which means Borgstrom is playing with goal scorers in Huberto and Hoffman, and I think it's a, a good assignment for him. Yeah, he might have a slightly tenuous hold on on that spot. Jared McCann could certainly challenge for it, um, but I think as long as he's playing with those two guys, uh, a really viable uh, daily fantasy option there in Borgstrom. In Los Angeles, they had a light week last week, splitting a pair of games. They're still seven games below the break-even mark. Jeff Carter had a three-point game in his last outing, but he's way off the expected pace of 60 to 70 points that we had him pegged for. Instead, he's heading for 40 to 50, and that's troublesome here. A bit, uh, just the tip of the iceberg in terms of trouble. Uh, Iafalo and Leipzig are far from what you need from second-line wingers, and that's been a bit of Carter's issues. He just hasn't got the quality of players to play with that he needs to survive and thrive. Jake Muzzin has been far better than uh, struggling Drew Doughty on the blue line, and he too has been the subject of some trade rumors in L.A., and that's really the best, uh, 
rest of the news that you're going to hear about this club is who's going to be dealt by the trade deadline because they have to do something to shake things up. Uh, Muzzin, for his part, is paired with Alec Martinez, who came off the IR last week. Uh, he, This trio, Doughty, Muzzin, and Martinez, should be among the better trios in the league, but uh, they're not doing near enough to pull the Kings uh, up from the, by their bootstraps. Uh, talk about defensive woes. Uh, you have to mention Dion Phaneuf. Yeah, he's down to less than 15 minutes a game and when you consider the contract that this guy's got with one assist on the year maybe the worst bang for the salary cup cap buck in the entire league oh absolutely i mean there's no no arguing that uh i don't think for the last couple of years to be perfectly honest with you i really uh am surprised that teams continue to be willing to take on uh, that contract and, and make moves to bring this guy in and they're not bringing him in to wave him or, or sit him on the bench they're actually playing him which is in some ways a little more confounding but <laughs> all that to say uh, in terms of guys that they've brought in this season you know you look at uh, Carl Haglin and Brandon Leipzig and clearly Leipzig has been the better addition for this club uh, obviously Haglin had the injury uh, concerns but since then is still pointless uh, since getting healthy and returning, but you know Leipzig, uh, six points in in 19 games, so some you know somewhat decent depth scoring. I wouldn't call it lights out depth scoring, but uh, clearly has been uh, the best addition to this team uh, via the trade uh, trade market. In Minnesota, with Matt Dumba out till March, Jared Spurgeon has been getting more high-leverage minutes and top-pairing minutes lately. He's responded to that with seven points in his last seven games. It's something that we highlighted, and we hope you continue to listen to us because we find these gems repeatedly, it seems, and uh, good on us, I suppose, AJ. His partner, Ryan Suter, though, picked up a goal last night and was the guy I expected to be their key blue liner, but he has only one point in his last eight games, so one guy's thriving while the other guy is uh, not exactly delivering as expected here, so break-even situation there on the blue line. In the Nets, Devin Dubnik has only two quality starts in his last six appearances. I define that as three goals or less against, so uh, that's a big concern when they can't keep the puck out of the net in Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, he got shelled to the tune of of five goals allowed in in each of his last two games against teams that aren't exactly offensive powerhouses this year in Detroit and Philadelphia. Uh, And so, yeah, there's definitely some concerns there. I think part of it for me, uh, you have to look at workload here. I mean, uh, since uh, in in his last uh, 17 games for Minnesota, he's played 16 of them. Uh, has gotten just one night off since December 6th. Uh, and so I think really uh, you're, you're talking about workload as as the issue here, in my opinion. And I don't know why they rely so heavily on him. Now, I get that, you know, that's kind of what he's always done. But uh, for his his numbers, Alex Stalock has seemed like a somewhat capable backup. Yeah, he's not a lights out, you know, prospect. You're not going to trade him uh, for some big piece down the road. But he can at least... Uh, hold his own I feel like and so I I really think he's being underutilized here uh, and they're making a mistake riding Dubnik quite uh, quite so hard. Uh, up next the Montreal Canadiens are are newsworthy as usual three and one is the record last week including an OT win against Boston last night right in Beantown I wonder if Carey Price is ready to get to the top of his game finally this season he has two shutouts and that big effort last night when the Canadians were outshot by a big margin but that's been offset by a couple of other ordinary efforts in the other two starts that he's made in the last two weeks Uh, for up front Max Domi has not scored a goal in his last 17 games though he was instrumental with the game-winning assist last night 
and putting a great shot on goal. Uh, he's now on the second line, though, still on the power play, while Philip Deneau is now between Drouin and Gallagher on the top unit. Early season sensation Thomas Tatar, now goalless in nine straight games, has dropped to the third line, and I think the sand has run out of the hourglass in terms of his usefulness uh, for the time being. Jeff Petrie, though, this guy might be overshadowed by Shea Weber, but last night he delivered again, and now he's reached the 30-point plateau uh, So already in the season. He's been a value play in DFS, uh, a guy that you should keep an eye on because he's not priced as high as some of the other guys that are in his scoring range when you look at defensemen scoring around the league. You mentioned Max Dome being being part of the problem with that second line, uh, but you have to look at his his wingers as well. You know, Joel Armia uh, has two points uh, in his last seven games since returning from injury, uh, so not exactly a, a lights out production there. And then on the other side, uh, Terry Lekkinen, zero points in his last eight games, nine uh, without a goal, and so clearly Domi is not the only uh, issue here in. I think you might see a situation where I know uh, you mentioned Tatar struggling as well, but they may have to consider flipping these guys uh, as well as maybe Paul Byron flipping for Joel Armia, anything to try and get Domi going and uh, back uh, contributing offensively. In Nashville, this team went 2-1-1 in a busy week. Uh, If you wonder how good the top four defenders are here, consider that Matthias Edholm is the least heralded and has 12 points in his last nine games here. This guy's got three more years left on an annual 3.75 million cap hit. He looks very underpaid to me, but when he asked about that situation, he said, I'm not concerned where I come from. That's a lot of money, so and it's much more than I need. And I, I thought that was such a refreshing take, and I really wanted to highlight that when we came to talk of Nashville. A dose of reality is needed when you talk about the big salaries in pro sports these days, and uh, Ekholm certainly provided that. Offensively, Colton Sissons, another underrated player, has five points in his last four games played as the second center, while Kyle Touris is sidelined. It's no wonder this is such a good team when you get, uh, get uh, solid citizens like this coming to the forefront uh, when, they, when they have injury issues elsewhere. Yeah, I think you you really keyed in on on a main point here with Matthias Ekholm. You know, it, it benefits the team as a whole, uh, increases his chances of winning uh, by taking a, a slightly smaller smaller paycheck there. And so uh, I really do uh, think that's kind of a, a great stance, you know, uh, to compare it to, to another uh, player that's taken a lot of uh, less money over the years, uh, Tom Brady and, and the Boston Patri- uh, New England Patriots. Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, a guy that has never really taken full value uh, in terms of a contract and, and the team around him has been good. And it, it seems like that's something that Ekholm is certainly interested in, you know, uh, and like he said, doesn't exactly need uh, the money back back home in Sweden. It'll go uh, far enough. In New Jersey, this team was 2-2 two and two last week. They've been pretty much even across the board all season long. They're hanging around the playoff race. Uh, with a win despite allowing five goals against last night, Mackenzie Blackwood is now 5-2 and two in the Nets and has clearly moved ahead of the struggling Keith Kincaid, who for his part allowed 11 goals against in his last three starts. So if you're looking at the Jersey goaltending chart, it should see Blackwood above Kincaid at the moment. 
Up front, Blake Coleman is on fire for them with four goals and two assists, and he's striving as the new second-line right winger, giving the Devils a nice punch on the starboard side behind Keith uh, Palmieri uh, on, on that flank. They have to keep up the scoring, though, because uh, Taylor Hall won't be back until after the All-Star break. Yeah, and with Hall sidelined, uh, you know, they had uh, been putting Jasper Bratt in that top line uh, spot with Heischer and Paul Mary, but they were also missing Marcus Johansson. Now, for now, it looks like Johansson's going to take that role, uh, but he's pointless in his last two games, so it's possible that they make uh, some additional changes there and try a couple of other guys in that spot uh, until Hall can get back. And it's Kyle Palmieri, Keith's brother, that I was talking about, uh, <laughs> incidentally. New York Islanders 2-2 uh, two and two last week again. The news there is Devin Taves has been a nice addition on the blue line here. He's shown a bit of an offensive flair that I didn't see coming with three goals and one assist in his last six games. But then I looked at his AHL numbers, AJ, taking a page out of your book. This guy had 19 points in 24 AHL games earlier this season. So maybe we shouldn't be too surprised by his start with the Isles. And Nick Letty continues to be steady with seven points in his last 10 games. That's way better than the sluggish start to his season. So it looks like they got a couple of defenders heading in the right direction here uh, on the island. Brock Nelson is putting together a career-best uh, season with a solid plus 13 and is a good bet to crack the 50-point mark. He moved up in class with the departure of John Tavares, and now he's the second center behind Matthew Barzal, a pairing that's holding their own in the middle of the ice uh, for the Islanders this season. Well, one guy that's certainly not holding his own right now is Leo Komarov. Uh, I expected more from him out of this move. Uh, he's pointless in his last six. This is a, kind of the second uh, real significant slump for him this season. Uh, has just 14 points in, in 44 games. You know, I was expecting him to get back. You know, he had a down year last year with Toronto, and that led to his you know kind of departure here. But the two seasons before that hit the 30-point mark both times. Now. There is still some time for him to hit that mark, but it's seeming less and less likely every day. And that's really disappointing. I thought he would get an opportunity to challenge for a top six role here uh, and could have a breakout year, but it's clearly not worked out. And at this point, I don't see him uh, getting into the top six anytime soon. No, this guy's a third liner through and through. Uh, and you're talking about a, a guy who I was a fan of while he was in Toronto. It's just not his game, AJ. So maybe you you overreached there a little bit. Uh, in terms of the New York Rangers, they were one and three last week. Matt Zuccarello and Mika Zubanejad carrying the flag with four and three points respectively in those four games are thriving as they've been reunited on the top line. Ryan Strom has certainly taken advantage of second line center minutes here and has the season best streak of four goals in his last seven games played so the offense is moving in the right direction here of late he got that chance because Kevin Hayes has missed the last six games with an upper body injury we expect him to be back this week so watch for a roster shuffle shuffle here among the top line forwards even Kevin Shattenkirk is on a good streak which we haven't been able to say much this season he's got four points in his last four games along with an improved shots on goal rate so maybe a sneaky good DFS value play there too from a guy that we've maligned much of this season well you talked about the good so i'll talk about the bad here you <laughs> never want your number one netminder to have to take a mental break uh as the team said in in order to uh you know get a get a night off here uh you know and you can see why you look at his last three games gave up 15 goals uh in those three contests for a uh, 0.786 save percentage uh frankly that that's really bad for a starting netminder in the nhl uh and so 
Uh, the one guy that seemed to be holding this team together for much of the year has started to kind of fall apart. And with just 12 wins at this point in the season, he's definitely in danger of putting together his worst uh, win total of his career. The only time he uh, was, you know, his worst came with 24 and that was in the lockout shortened season. Um, but there is a distinct possibility he could miss that mark this year. In Ottawa, listen, a bad season continues. They are 2-1 and one last week, which is better than some of the weeks they've had this season. Thomas Shabbat's on the IR. As we all know he's missed the last seven games. That leaves a big hole in the blue line. Similarly, Matt Duchesne's missed the last three games to attend to the delivery of his first child. He should be back in the lineup on Wednesday, though. Uh, in terms of good news and surprising good news, again, another guy that's been much maligned is Bobby Ryan. He's playing right wing on the first line and is back on a 50-plus points pace. The Sens would love to deal the last three years of his $7.25 million cap hit. If they eat some of that money and he keeps up this recent pace of eight points in seven games, they may actually find a taker, which is a surprise bit of news for me. Yeah, I definitely agree that they would have to retain at least probably two million of that, I would think, which is a lot to hold on to uh, for another three years. But you're getting, you know, five uh, in savings. So it is definitely a possibility, you know, in terms of some injury guys, uh, Shabbat, Ben Harper and Justin Falk all might be options to return on Wednesday. So uh, getting a fully healthy blue line uh, would definitely help this team uh, and maybe, you know, kind of stem the tide a little bit. Although I don't uh, overall, I don't really expect this to be a team that uh, competes uh, when we get to the, the end of the year here. And a team that we won't expect to compete at the end of the season is the Philadelphia Flyers, though they have uh, raised some eyebrows of late with some offense here that we hadn't seen for a while particularly JVR. This guy sparked the group with five goals and two assists over his last three games. I wonder if AJ noticed that Nolan Patrick actually picked up four points in last night's win over Minnesota. That makes his dollar bet with a friend of the show, Daniel Legrano, a little more interesting all of a sudden. Wayne Simmons is being scouted heavily and helped his trade value as a pending UFA on a losing team. He picked up four goals in his last four games played as well. On the downside, on the blue line, Shane Gossesbear has not produced much offense on the back end, only 18 points after getting 65 last year. Similarly, Ivan Provorov has regressed. The defense was supposed to be a strength here, but really they're not delivering the goods for the, the Flyers at the moment. No, I mean, there's not, uh, up until last night, not a lot of good uh, to really talk about with the team. Uh, a lot of struggles in a lot of places. And, you know, the net mining uh, has been questionable as well. You have to wonder uh, who might be the eighth goalie uh, that plays for this team at some point here. Um, mostly kidding. I think Carter Hart will get, uh, get a lot of it the rest of the way. But uh, it would be kind of interesting to see them, uh, you know, take that record for, for most goalies used in a season. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, Patrick getting goaling, I think, is symptomatic of him actually getting bumped down, down, quote unquote, to a third line and playing with Wayne Simmons. Now, if they trade Simmons, uh, what are you going to do with Patrick? It would obviously depend on who comes back. But uh, that might be a, a bad thing for for uh, kid poker as uh, you know if Patrick doesn't have a guy like Simmons he could go for another slump <laughs> you can only hope because I'm sure you'll be <laughs> chirped to death 
The Pittsburgh Penguins went 2-1 last week, and listen, part of last week's assessment by me was hyping Tanner Pearson, and he's all of a sudden on a scoring tear for your pens with three goals on Malkin's line. Malkin, for his part, 13 points in his last 10 games. Crosby has 17 in his last 10. No one can touch this this team when these guys are going at this level, and certainly no, not too many people are touching this team right now. Jamie Alexiak is back off the IR and playing second-pairing minutes. That's also a bit of good news. Meanwhile, Marcus Pedersen is racking up points with five, six in his last six games as a depth guy on defense. That's a, uh, like found money again. Do we need to keep an eye on this guy, or is it a fluke, AJ? I definitely think it's somebody to keep an eye on. You know, the they brought him over for, for Daniel Sprong in kind of a swap of, uh, of highly touted prospects, one on defense, one at forward, that didn't really have opportunities to get into the lineup with their their previous club so uh Pedersen is definitely going to push uh for for a, a locked in low role with his team and it seems like he's got it you know the other guy that has just been lights out lately is Jake Gensel uh has you know five goals in his last two games uh and really uh, on a complete tear has points in each of his last six games uh, and for a team that features Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Melkin, and Phil Kessel, uh, you wouldn't necessarily expect Jake Gunsel to be the uh, team leader in goals, but that is the case right now as he's ahead of all those other uh, world-class talents. The rich get richer, it just seems. It bothers, it bothers <laughs> me. It bothers me a lot. Uh, San Jose Sharks, they were 4-0 last week. Talk about the rich getting richer. This team is really on a roll. Martin Jones has seven straight wins in the Nets, allowing only four goals again his, in his last three starts. On the blue line, uh, they're all-world pair of uh, Burns and Carlson pace the attack with five and six points respectively as they're both really in a nice groove. That was expected early on, but has happened only recently, in fact. Uh, the third member of their defense pairing in terms of offensive skills, Mark Edward Vlasic has missed the last five games with und- an undisclosed injury that's unfortunate because he collected four points in his previous five games which was his best streak of the season he's lost high leverage minutes to the other defense top defensemen here and i don't think he's going to get them back anytime soon when he comes back no i think you you hit the nail on the head with that uh i don't expect him to take on a significantly increased role once he gets healthy um one guy who is playing lights out right now and has been the backbone of this team is uh marty jones seven wins in his last seven games Uh, a 2.29 goals against average over that stretch he's been just phenomenal lately and that's that's dangerous for the rest of the league i mean when this guy uh hits you know a little bit of a slump they certainly uh can find their way out of it sometime with some offensive contributions but when he's rolling uh they are perhaps uh one of the hardest teams in the league to beat and St. Louis has become a little bit more challenging now that they have a second goalie in the mix here. It seems Jordan Bennington uh, has uh, take, caught fire with a chance to strut his stuff. Three wins and only two goals against in, in his action last week. Earned him second star in the league. Uh, that was announced yesterday so good for him and i hope he continues to get a shot there but hope hopefully for st louis it helps to push jake allen into better performance as well um vladimir tarasenko is heating up with seven points in his last six games played so that's good news too because they've been waiting on him as an underperforming star to deliver the goods Uh, alex pietrangelo is another dormant star who's lighting up of late on the blue line with six points in his last seven games this team is now only a point out of a wild card spot they're coming on like I thought they could but continue to be plagued by injuries with Rob Thomas and uh, dealing with an upper body injury and Alex Steen 
off on the IR again with a shoulder injury, joining Tyler Bozak. That's three key pieces right now that they can ill afford to keep out of the lineup if they want to really make this run to the postseason. Yeah, it's interesting to see them actually, you know, back kind of in contention now after, you know, for the last couple of weeks, they've been rumored to be big sellers uh, coming up into the trade deadline here. But if they're in the mix uh, for a playoff spot, that obviously, you know, goes out the door a little bit. And I do think you're absolutely right. It's going to depend on whether Steen, Bozak and Thomas can get healthy before we get too close to the trade deadline and, and whether they can you know, kind of ride, uh, ride it out until they get those guys back. Uh, in terms of the Tampa team, I got a scouting report from an alien that landed uh, just after their last game, AJ. He says they're a terrible hockey club. They lost 5-1 to one of the New York Islanders. <laughs> it was by far the worst effort of the season, but really a blip on the whole schedule when you look at it. To make matters worse, though, in terms of that uh, that game, Victor Hedman was injured when he collided with a referee, of all things. The severity of that bump is not yet known, so we'll hold our breath along with Tampa fans because you don't like to see a great player come out of the lineup for such an innocuous circumstance. Second-year pro uh, Mikhail Sergachev has finally flashed his offensive skill after a very quiet first half that nobody's talking about. Now he's all of a sudden got five points in his last six games and looking like a guy who really impressed me in his rookie season last year. Another guy who's back in the forward mix uh, after being out on the sidelines for a bit is JT Miller. He should contend for top six minutes here and will be a sneaky good DFS value play this week and moving forward, I think. Yeah, I think you really have to keep an eye on where JT Miller's lining up on, on whether or not to utilize him. Right now, we have him slotted in for a third-line role, but that could change at uh, today's game day skate. They could shuffle the lines a little bit, and that'll obviously be something that you'll want to watch over at, you know, over at rotowire.com and check those line combinations. We update those throughout the day as uh, the news comes available. So uh, keep an eye out on him. I'm not... I'm not high on him in a third line role. I don't think uh, there's enough around him in that setting, but uh, he has been utilized on the top line with Stamkos from time to time, has gotten some looks with Kucherov as well. And so uh, definitely a situation to monitor throughout the day. And I alluded to off the top, Maple Leafs are struggling a little bit right now. They're one and three in the last week. And uh, even before that, they weren't doing well, very well the pre-fire week. Good news on the on the goalie front, though, is Freddie Anderson returned to the Nets last night. He wasn't responsible for the loss, though, made several key saves as the team was outshot badly. The backup goalie situation is one worth monitoring here. Michael Hutchison appeared in nine games so far this year, that and one more would have meant that he would have had to pass through waivers. But uh, fortunately for the Leafs, uh, Garrett Sparks, who was still uh, dogged a bit by con- concussion issues, was the backup last night, and that afforded them the opportunity to send Hutchinson down. But you wonder if Sparks doesn't perform well in upcoming starts, if they'll take the chance to bring Hutchinson up and uh, take that chance through waivers. Offensively, there's a number of players that are going through scoring funks. The most notable is Austin Matthews now with one goal one goal scored in his last eight games played. He's not worried, and frankly, neither am I. He'll snap out of that. We talked about Jake Gardner. He's looked very shaky on the blue line. I don't think the Leafs will be re-signing this guy in the summer months. Uh, I like the recent signings, though, of Trevor Moore and Callie Rosen to contract extensions. These are two guys who are leading the AHL club. Uh, they led them to a championship last year, and uh, while they're not at the championship pace this year, these are two guys that will make the grade, I think, next season, and they come come on board with very affordable contracts. That's a key consideration because the Leafs will be looking to spend some big money elsewhere, as we all know. 
the third line is struggling here. They got a, u a unit of Kadri, Marlowe, and Nylander all not scoring for extended periods of time. They really got to get this group going, and maybe that'll be the spark that turns this team around. It has to happen sooner rather than later. They're headed on a Florida swing, and it's probably a good time for this club to hit the road. Yeah, the thing with Nylander's, uh, you know, slump that that's really somewhat frustrating, uh, as I'm sure you know, is the fact that he's still getting looks on the power play and hasn't been able to produce. Now, uh, you know, in his current slump of pointless in five, uh, seeing just over a minute uh, per game on the power play, but you look at overall for the season, you know, has just those three points, the one goal, and averaging 150 uh, with the man advantage, and simply just not getting it done in that area of the game. The shots on goal this season is definitely not where you want it. It's only 31 in 17 games played. That's less than two a game. So you would think a guy that's slumping uh, as badly as he has been would put a few more pucks on net, but he just hasn't figured that part of it out yet. And, you know, really, I think this, uh, you know, speaks to why you need guys there from day one and not waiting until, you know, months into the season to show up. Yeah, I'm curious to see how a number of RFA situations wind up uh, between now and the end of the year with several big-name players looking to get paid next season in their, as their entry-level deals expire. In Vancouver, Elias Pettersson is starting to skate with the club, but he's not yet practicing full out. I don't expect him uh, back in the lineup for another week here. But meanwhile, Josh Levo, who thrived on his wing, returned last wing last game but he's playing in a bottom six role probably waiting until Pedersen gets back and they'll reunite that pairing in about a week or so Louis Erickson's playing played over 16 minutes and collected three points in his last game trouble is that he carries a six million dollar cap hit for the next three seasons yet he only has only 19 points thus far and games like that have been few and far between still that's a better pace than the last, last two years out of this guy I can't trust him anymore though AJ and I wonder if you agree or disagree on that assessment Oh, I definitely agree. I think he's too expensive for, for the amount uh, or lack of production that, that they're getting out of him. I felt that way, you know, in, in uh, for, for a while. I thought last season, even then, it, it just wasn't enough uh, for that price tag. Whether I don't think they're going to get any takers on it is the problem. So they're kind of stuck with it either way. Las Vegas, uh, this team was 2-1 and one last week. The yo-yoing of Brandon Peary has settled down with him landing a right wing spot on the top line, getting uh, big minutes here and continuing his recent surge after a recall from the Miners that lasted one game with two points and 12 shots on goal over his last three games. He's entrenched in that role, I think, for the time being. On the defensive side of the puck, Braden McNabb has enjoyed a partnership with Nate Schmidt since the latter has rejoined the lineup. McNabb has collected four points of the 11 he's accumulated all year in his last seven tilts. So putting some offensive uh, uh, notes in, in his column for a bit of a change from what we've seen in the first half of the season. Colin Miller, another offensive talent on this blue line, is skating at practice with the club and should return this week. Another case of the rich getting richer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you talk about, uh, you know, guys coming back into the lineup too. You know, Paul Stastny missed a bunch of the early part of the season when this team was struggling. Uh, and people were talking about, you know, oh, this is what we ex this is the Vegas we expected, not last year. Uh, but he's got uh, in his last uh, nine games, he's got 
four multi-point efforts, including their most recent one, uh, four goals, six assists over that stretch, uh, a plus 13 rating as well. So this guy's great on both ends of the ice uh, and really has helped this team get where they need to be going. The Washington Capitals split four games last week. They're still 27-13-5 on the year, but a great record. But Braden hope the owners can breathe easier now that we know that an eye injury has no longer been deemed to be very serious. He's likely their starter tonight, in fact, as Phoenix Copley took the loss last night on the first of back-to-back. So we'll keep an eye on that Goldie mix for you during the course of the day. I was high on Alex Burkowski at one time up front, but he's been relegated to fourth-line minutes right now, or out of the lineup even, in fact, in the press box. A change of scenery may well be in this guy's future because he has a bit of an upside offensively that uh, is still there, I think, and maybe another team will bite on it. The Caps certainly need some help on left wing in that third-line role that he seems to have vacated of late. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting, uh, you know, it seems like either they put Burakovsky in a top six role or out of the lineup altogether. Um, it looks like maybe third line tonight, but that again could change. They're shuffling some things around with Lars Eller uh, avoiding injury uh, after taking a maintenance day. So it'll be interesting to see, but uh, it was kind of, you know, when Tom Wilson was out with his suspension, you'd see Burakovsky playing uh, top six minutes. And then, you know, a couple nights later, he'd be out of the lineup. I think, I think you're right that a, a change of scenery is exactly what he needs, um, and I do think they'll they'll find a taker uh, for him. In Winnipeg, the the Jets are rolling. They were three and one last week. They're still one of the top teams in the league, uh, despite the fact that they're missing Dustin Bufflin on defense until after the post all, uh, after the All Star break. They are also missing Tyler Myers uh, in the last, last, last few days anyway. He should be back in the lineup this week, though it's a bit of good news on the horizon. In their absence, we called for Jacob Trouba to be a guy to watch, and he certainly picked it up. He's caught fire with a season-best streak of eight points in his last seven games played. In the Nets, though, trouble continues as Connor Hellybuck now has allowed three or more goals in 10 of his last 12 games. I think that's more as a result of the defensive structure of this team being lacking a little bit. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers missing five games and uh, won't return till February. That's hampered his buddy, Patrick Laine. Nobody's talking about this, but I will. He's only got one goal and one assist in his last 11 games played. Yeah, you have to wonder if at some point, if only to kind of jumpstart him, that maybe they'll move Laine uh, up with Shifley and Wheeler because, you know, right now he's kind of having to hold down that line, that second line all by himself. Brian Little is certainly a capable center, but I think on a lot of teams he might find himself as the third line center instead of second. And then Jack Roslavich on the other side is is pretty young and obviously isn't going to, you know, anchor uh, any lines at this point in his career. The risk there is that Kyle Connor starts to slump again if you move him off that Shifley Wheeler line. So, uh, they have some tough decisions to make here, and, and it could involve a little bit of shuffling. But uh, with Ehlers out long term, this is a team that could try and figure out a way to add in terms of uh, some additional forward scoring as they head into the deadline. No partner, it's time to talk FanDuel now. And I'll remind our listeners that you and I are two of uh, uh, half million, two and a half million players who have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel, and we encourage our lis- listeners to take advantage of our special offer for new users to sign up today at FanDuel.com at slash RW. Uh, let's see, let's see now the the ten game slate here. AJ features a 
big tilt that you might be having your eyes on tonight with Pittsburgh and San Jose. I'll be, I'll be watching that one as well. Uh, Vegas and Winnipeg, another one if you're looking for a, a top-grade game between two of the Western powers, uh, second game to look at. So a couple of heavyweight battles on the schedule. Third one even if you consider Washington and Nashville. So some good tilts tonight out of the 10-game menu. Uh, I know you'll be looking at Pittsburgh and San Jose. Why don't you handicap that one for us? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this... This could be this game could really go any of two ways. I mean, you could end up uh, in a shootout situation where, you know, you've got uh, top talents like Pavelski, Kane, uh, Hurdle going up against, you know, Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, or it could turn into a goaltending battle as well. I mean, it, it really is a game that could go either way. Um, and just, you know, it, it'll be fun to watch as, as a late game if you, if you can stay up, <laughs> uh, those of us in, in the, you know, central and, and eastern division. But, yeah, absolutely, Vegas, uh, Winnipeg, and Washington, Nashville, the other, uh, the other ones. All right, the optimizer, AJ, give us a quick run-through. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it starts off uh, with overall there's going to be a heavy San Jose stack in the optimizer tonight, which I find uh, to be somewhat interesting, but uh, certainly not unwarranted, uh, you know, with Pittsburgh being on, on an extended road trip, uh, you know, and have having had some struggles of late. But the optimizer starts with Ryan O'Reilly uh, for the St. Louis Blues at 6,300 goes back to Thomas Hurdle, uh, the first of the Sharks stack here at 6,000. Uh, on wing, going to go big uh, with Alexander Ovechkin at 8,600. And then Brandon Peary at 3,800. That guy almost has to be in your lineup tonight. I know the matchup with Winnipeg is one that could, again, that could also be a goaltending battle or a shootout. But at 3,800 3, for a top-line guy playing top power play minutes, uh, you'd be pretty uh, insane not to at least consider putting him in. Andrei Svechnikov at 3,500, third line guy for Carolina, but also on the second power play unit. And then uh, another very discounted Sharks option here is uh, Lucas Rattle uh, playing on the second line, 3,200. Uh, the optimizer has decided to save all of its money to go uh, double down on the Sharks blue line in Brent Burns and Eric Carlson paying 67 and 6,400 respectively. Uh, that's a lot of money uh, for those two guys, but certainly uh, guys that can produce. And then in the goal, uh, in the, the goal mouth here, you got Braden Holpe at 8,600. So there's some value guys here that I might take a look at. As I said, Brandon Peary uh, is certainly an option and, and I'm, you know, may have to shuffle things up and, and see about getting him in. I didn't have him in there at first go, but uh, taking a look again, I, I may have to consider it. While you're doing that, AJ, I'm going to go through my lineup. I got two stacks that are featured here. Columbus hosting New Jersey looks like a stack possibility, and certainly Tampa. I managed to get three big players in there against Dallas. I think they're going to light up the stars at home tonight. That was a good play on words, actually, I thought. <laughs> Steven Stankos and Braden Point uh, leading the attack here for $8,500 and $8,100 re respectively are the two centers that I'll use tonight, both from Tampa, and I think they'll be itching to bounce back from that debacle of the last game they played. Uh, on the wings, I've got Josh Anderson of the Devils and uh, 
I mean, so Columbus against the Devils for $4,300. I put Peary in the lineup for $3,800 listening to you and your uh, anal- analysis there, but I had him in there before that. How can you avoid putting this guy in the lineup? He'll be heavily owned, and I'll take a piece of that. I'll also throw in Nick Felino, a big fan of his in DFS play. He's underpriced at $5,200. And I'll round it out with Artemi Panera. So a trio, a trio of Columbus wingers make my mix tonight there. And on the blue line, I take one guy from each team. Mikhail Sergachev, I talked him up as a guy who's finding his groove in Tampa. And with uh, Hedman, a bit of a suspect situation, I'll spend the $3,900 and see that Sergachev might get some bigger minutes on the power play tonight. Ryan Murray's a guy that we've been high on for Columbus is playing better of late and uh, the price tag certainly doesn't reflect it $4,000 for a guy who's been a regular contributor to this offense for quite a while now that all affords me to put Andre Vasilevsky in net and I haven't been able to do that all year so I'll jump at the opportunity to throw him in and look for him to rebound as well against Dallas tonight yeah so for for my lineup I keyed in on two uh, kind of one-sided matchups they're not the biggest uh, lopsided matches of the night that's uh, Columbus minus 195 so to Paul's point about using Ryan Murray uh, and Nick Felino might be something to consider as well as Josh Anderson um, but for me the Islanders are minus 160 uh, and the Lightning are minus 150 and so to that end I'm going to go uh, the second line for for the Islanders uh, with Barzal at 6,900, Bailey at 5,800, and Bolivier at 4,600. There's some good value there. Uh, And then I'm going to go the top line for uh, Tampa Bay and Stamkos at 8,500, Palat at 5,000, and Yanni Gord at 4,100. Obviously, if Miller were to get swapped for Gord, uh, I might decide to make a switch there or uh, I could even put Brandon Peary in instead of Gord. Uh, we'll see as we, you know, head into, uh, you know, uh, game day skates if those lines change at all. Defensively, uh, going to use two big name guys. One has been hot all year in Chris Letang at 6,900, and one has been steadily improving uh, in Shea Weber at 4,900. Uh, you know, you look a couple of years ago, you'd be shocked to have seen Shea Weber uh, listed at a price tag of 4,900, and I think he's still got plenty left in the tank. And Florida is a good matchup, I think, for him to to try and produce as well. And then between the pipes, uh, I'm going to go Jonathan Quick here uh, at 8,200. Minnesota uh, has its has had its struggles of its own of late. I don't think uh, there's not a lot of times where I'm going to use L.A. this season because their team also has struggled. But I think this is a good matchup, a good opportunity to use quick and to not have to pay up uh, at a huge price point. You know, a lot of those big name goalies tonight are up against each other. And so I tend to try and avoid that. You know, you got Marty Jones going against Matt Murray right. uh, and, and, you know, a couple other Hopi and uh, Rene uh, potentially. So, yeah, I went uh, with Jonathan Quick. Interesting call there. You went outside the lines and picked the visiting goalie, but uh, we've said it before, Quick Quick is a guy who can influence the game more than most goalies in the league, so an interesting call by you out there. Uh, The stud of the week to me was an easy one and another one that's close to home here, a guy who went to the same high school I did, although he did it uh, maybe 15 or 20 years after I left. Mark Giordano (laughs) is the Flames' leader on and off the ice. He was leader on the ice last week collecting eight points that paced all scorers from from any position three goals and five helpers from this blue liner look he's the captain of this team the heartbeat of the club which has surprisingly moved to the top of the western conference and it's well long overdue to give this team and this guy a tip of the cap 
can they can play the game and he can play the game whatever way you like whether it be a speed game a skill a skill game or tough grind it out style he is the epitome of of uh, versatility and uh, it's kind of spread out to the rest of this team so they're a tough out right now and he certainly raised the game of tj brody who is uh, thriving now that he's being reunited with his former defense partner yeah, you know, we we talked last week about uh, in past seasons, you kind of had Hedman, Burns, and, and Carlson on, on one level, and then the rest of the blue liners on the next. And Giordano is making a push uh, to be in contention for the Norris Trophy. 47 points, as, as you said. Uh, you know, he's just behind Brent Burns by about five, uh, trying to track him down, and, and we'll see if he can do it. But, yeah, this is a much improved a uh, team that I, I definitely think is outperforming anything that you know I certainly expected at the start of the season. I didn't have them potentially winning the Pacific uh, or uh, you know even being in contention for the President's Trophy. Obviously, Tampa Bay is still pretty significantly ahead of them, um, but anything can happen there, at least in the mix uh, for it, and and could get the number one spot in the Western Conference as well. AJ, when it comes to the rant of the week, I try to look at an incident or two, but I'm looking at a trend here when I come up with this one. It's uh, what is it with players trying to go along, along the ice, almost trying to pass the puck into the net when they're on shootouts or breakaways these days? It's these fancy deke moves, and then they put the puck right along the ice into the goalie's pad. It's almost like they're trying to pass the puck into the net. Yet in the practices that I've seen before games start, I see them wiring shots, picking corners left and right. I wonder why shooters don't shoot more in the shootout. I'm seeing cross-ice passes too where it seems like most goalies would have a tough time covering the top part of the net. It just seems to me that a shooter has to be able to fire at an opening uh, up high without committing to this deep move that has resulted in so many weak-looking attempts at the net on beautiful scoring chances we've both watched a lot a lot of hockey and coached it what do you think about my comment here well so the number one thing i'll just say is you know nothing drives a coach nuttier than than watching guys sky pucks over the net and so um i just it's been driving me nuts for for the team i coach here uh locally our guys uh, trying to you know pick those corners every single time there's there is a time and a place for it but i do think uh you know getting pucks on the net uh hitting pads down low i think is definitely something that that more teams need to do it it causes rebounds to pop out and in, in you know good opportunities now on breakaways i can see a, a little bit more uh the thought process there and trying to get the goalie to move uh it you know it's if you can get the goalie out of position and, you know, essentially pass it in the net, it's because the net is wide open. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's there's also a time and place for, for uh, you know, trying to pick those corners and, and put it in. So I think it depends on the netminder. I can see it a little bit more in, in the shootout uh, situations, but on like a breakaway where you have a guy trying to track you down, I do think you're better off uh, maybe trying to pick your corners in, in those settings. Well, so we say up, up high or down low. I'm curious to see which, which way our fans might, uh, listeners might go on that one. So chime in on that one if you wish. And it's a fine place to, uh, for us to leave off this show. Another episode of Puckcast in the Books. Uh, that wraps it up this week for the Statsman and AJ. Uh, please remember to send your comments and questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. And you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen to podcasts to get your tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody.
There you go. You got a few minutes to spare. Yep. Yeah, I was I was getting a little nervous, but you know, <laughs> we made it. <laughs> I saw that note, but I was watching the clock for you. Believe me. All right, buddy, get out of there, and we'll talk again soon. All right, sounds good. You have a good week. Thanks, man. See you.